You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to another Page Turner with Big Dog and Lil Stuff. I'm Stephanie Menard. I am Tom Hutchison. And we're back. <laughs> Finally. I know. Life has been kind of hectic lately. <sighs> yeah, for sure. But A couple we- of skip weeks, uh, you know, shows and Kickstarters and... Uh, you know, all kinds of good stuff. But now, now we get a couple of, of roughly a couple of months off before con season starts again. So, yes, thank God. I mean, uh, like I, I'm not big. I, conventions are just. I mean, people think you just sit there. You don't. You know, it's not hard work, but it really is. Talking <laughs> all day. You know, being on your feet all day. Um, yeah. you know, engaging with strangers and trying to like, can you know, talking about your product and like. You know, engaging people in different ways. It's, it's tiring. I mean, I, uh, just did Grand Rapids Comic Con. So just this past weekend and I was losing my voice on Sunday. Um, well, that's generally a sign of a good show, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was my best show of the year. So honestly, good. uh, super burned out on conventions this year and the last couple, you know, there's a lot more now and it, it's, Harder to figure out which shows are like, you know, better for your product or whatnot. So, um, you know, I had a couple of shows where I didn't do as well as I normally would have or I did last year. But yeah. um, this year, with Grand Rapids being my final one, um, it kind of renewed my faith in conventions. <laughs> so uh, what was well, the last good. one you did? Oh, I just did Akron Comic Con uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, that was my first time doing Akron. Um, they, they invited me there, guested me. So that was, that was super cool of them. Uh, thanks to, uh, Dan Gorman for, for that. And it was just a little two day show and, and by little show, I mean, it was a little show, but the little shows are often, um, well run and, and usually well attended, uh, at least within the context of, of, you know, size, you know, obviously a little show is not gonna have 30,000 people, but, um, they had told me that they generally get through there about, you know, 2000 people over the weekend. And I was like, Oh, okay, we'll, we'll see if that's, uh, if that's a reality and damned if that place wasn't, you know, packed like the whole time. So it was a fun little show and, and it was a, an audience base that had really, I had never met before, um, because I, I haven't really done much in the way of Ohio shows. Um, so it was, it was cool. It was a good way also for me to, to kind of end the year on a, on a high note and, and they've already invited me back. So, um, should the, should the dates work out, I'll be back there again next year. That's awesome. Yay yeah. for good shows. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I've heard nothing but good stuff about Grand Rapids. I, I, I was planning to, to, to be there, uh, vending, but I always forget about it. You know, it always just kind of sneaks up on me and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, Grand Rapids. And then they're all sold out. And, um, and then this, I was actually going to come down and see you. Uh, uh, and, and see the show and get a feel for it. Um, but I had so much freaking Kickstarter stuff to do that. I just, I just could not take the time to do it. Um, and, and I had to spend the weekend, you know, bagging and boarding and packing. And, uh, we just sent out about 200 more packages yesterday and I still have about another hundred more and then we'll be all done. And then it'll be time to ship princesses versus zombies. So it just kind of never ends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I'm I'm still I can't wait to get Antoinette. Like I'm uh I'm super pumped for that. And, one. and I apologize because I, I, I was just thinking about that as we were about to do the show. I was like, she should have her book by now. And then I realized that I didn't ship it because I was gonna bring it to you like a dumb head and, and then I didn't come see you. You know, so, so so flop on my part. So I apologize. So yours will be in the next batch. It'll be coming to you in the next couple of days and you will have it. Uh so yes. <laughs> I, I'm just so psyched to read it because, you know, I'm like, you know, I love history and we've been talking about the story for, well, since before the Kickstarter and I love yeah. it and I'm so excited to see how it all turned out. So, well, it's, it, you know, it's been a, it's been a labor, one of these things that they call a labor of love. That's usually an excuse for, Hey, we're really late. But, uh, the reality is we are late on this book, but it was a labor of love. You know, we, we expanded, the book was meant to be 20 pages. It ended up being 32 so we added, you know, a ton of pages to it because as I was writing it, I was just like, this is not working. Like, it's, this is not going to end where I need it to end uh, to be a, a, a you know, what a, a kind of a true origin story. Um, I didn't want to have like a cliffhanger and then have to go do another one to finish this story. So I just told Ryan, I'm like, hey, dude, 
we're just going to add some pages to this. And we didn't ask the Kickstarter backers for any extra money uh, for, for putting those extra pages in. It, it you know, increased our workload. It increased our our the cost of our printing, increased the cost of our shipping because it's now a 32-page book. But we were just like, you know what? This is just the way to make this book better. And when people actually get it, um, you know, they'll understand why it took so long to, to finally get this thing done and, and in their hands. But the great news is that those that have gotten it, well, some people have already read the digital copy, but those that have gotten it in their hands, I've been getting messages constantly about how, oh my God, this was so worth the wait, you know, it's such a great book, so on and so on. So I, I think that ultimately the decisions that we made to expand it and, and do the things that we did um, were, are going to pay off in the end with a great book. I love when people message me after they've read something that I wrote and they're like, oh, I loved it. It just it feels so nice to have somebody read it and like connect with it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Especially as writers, because, you know, we we, and me specifically, I mean, when we do our Kickstarters, we do lots of variant covers, which I know people just buy it for the cover and that's fine. But when actually people, you know, open it up and, and actually read what you put in the inside, uh, that kind of changes the game. And, and, and that's as a writer, um, that's what you really want to have happen. You want people to get invested in your characters. And I already have them asking, hey, is there going to be more? Is there going to be another one? And so on. And I'm like, yeah, we got we got more. We got more. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> give us give us our opportunity to catch our breath here and then uh, and then we'll do more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always have something going on. So and well, you have a Kickstarter running right now, right? I do. Yeah, it's actually got a week left. It ends next Wednesday, uh, which is a week from today as we are recording this. Um, it is uh, what the 20th. It ends the 20th of November. Uh, Legend of Oz, the Wicked West. Um, we're actually going to be popping out today. Uh, for those of you that are listening live, you can jump on the Kickstarter right now and check it out. Um, just go to kickstarter.com, type in Legend of Oz, and you will find us. Uh, we're actually going to be popping in a special um, trading card set today as, an, as a little extra add-on with art by Nii Rufino. Um, so that'll be the first ever trading cards that we have for our Oz stuff, and it's all based on her her cover art that she's done over the years. Um, and then we've got some other little secrets that we're going to be popping out through the through the rest of these final seven and a half days. So yeah, it's been good. Yay. I love hearing good things because, <laughs> you know, that's, it doesn't always go like that. So, you know, it's, no, it's nice. No. To, it's nice to hear that things are going well. <laughs> yeah. And to, and to be honest, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the landslide victory that I was kind of expecting. Um, you know, for years we've had people coming in and saying, Hey man, when, when's Oz coming back? When's this coming back? So on and so on. And then, you know, we build up, we build up, we build up and we finally launched the campaign and it's like, well, wait a minute, where are all you guys that were asking me about this last year? So we're definitely not where I expected to be with one week left. I mean, we're still only at like 275 backers. I fully expected to be at 300 by now. So while it's definitely a victory, um, it it does kind of call into question a few things. Um, and, and one of them is actually something that I'm kind of considering. And I, I've been looking back at just from a timing standpoint. So one of those things that people talk about all the time is, is timing of Kickstarters when you launch them, you know, so on. And, um, October, we've now done three Kickstarters in October and we don't know where Oz is going to end up yet, but, um, it probably will be our, our best October one yet. But October ones seem to traditionally be weaker than some other months that we've done. Now, at the same time, uh, the first October Kickstarter that we did was Penny for Your Soul. It was our first October. It was our first ever Kickstarter. So really, people didn't even know we were doing them. So you kind of have to toss that one out a little bit as sort of an anomaly, especially based on how penny grew over the last couple of years um but then the following year we did antoinette and while it did well it did not do anything that would be like pie in the sky numbers and oddly enough uh the guys that had been uh pledging for penny for your soul uh, and and like ursa minor things like that i'm getting people now as we are putting this book out and it's finally hitting market um i'm getting people now that are like when did this book happen what happened i'm like dude this was Last year, how are you not, how, how did you not know this was happening? I mean, <laughs> y'all are on the same social media that we are when we talk about Penny. And yet somehow when we talked about Antoinette, it just went right over people's heads. Like they didn't understand what they were seeing. And now again in October, we have Oz coming and 
there's sort of a, a, a lower reaction again than we had in previous campaigns. So I'm wondering if October is just sort of always going to be, you know, one of those, you know, we've spent our money throughout the year. We've got Christmas coming, you know, maybe there's something to the idea that, uh, uh, you know, being too close to holidays and so on, um, or at the end of the year might affect what's going on. And and we just, you have to kind of take that into effect, uh, or into account rather when you're, when you're doing Kickstarters, kind of, you know, not just for your own, but kind of watch how other things work too. And, and maybe they're coming in a little bit shorter than usual, in which case you have to just sort of account for that and say, well, we're going to do something in October, but you know, it may not be the big pop that we're hoping for. Um, but you know, again, we're we're already funded. We're we're doing fine, and uh, it will probably end up being our best October campaign yet. Uh, but uh, we were definitely hoping for a little bit more of a surge, and it's kind of weird how we didn't get it. Yeah, and you know, and that might also be too because I know that um, you know you run a few campaigns a year, and I think sometimes sure. it might just be that some of those backers that would normally back it just either a don't have like the the cash flow, or you know, sometimes it's just you see your numbers rise and fall depending on like what time of year it is. Um, and like you said, it closer to the holidays, it's hard. Um, I think like beyond October, it's it it becomes. Uh, a little bit more difficult because people are starting to Christmas shop already. Sure. And, sure. uh, you know, with Kickstarter, like I, I was reading something in a forum and somebody was talking about, oh, should I had run a Kickstarter so that people can order this stuff for Christmas? And it's like, well, if you can't fulfill it, by Christmas, nobody's going to shop on Kickstarter. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. like if you ran it in November and you could guarantee, you know, delivery by Christmas, then some people might, they might, you know, it was for like an enamel pin set or something like that. But, sure. you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, if you can't deliver it by Christmas, then don't even bother and don't try to run one until after, you know, the holidays are all over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's always been my understanding. You, you rarely see anything from from the folks that that do Kickstarter regularly, you almost never see them in in November and December. It's 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 a near impossibility to make anything really pop because there's just too much else going on. Regardless of even shopping habits and so on, there's just too much. People are traveling around for for Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's. It's just too much. So definitely, I would definitely definitely say that October would be the cutoff date for any any sort of serious uh, attempt at a Kickstarter campaign. For sure. And I mean, I ran this year, I ran my first Kickstarter. I think it started um, toward the end of January. And I mean, it was funded in like half less than half a day. Um, but I waited specifically, you know, till after the holidays, because I mean, it, it just made sense to me. And I spoke with a few people and they're like, yeah, you know, late January, early February is usually when things start to like, you know, bam back up. And so it worked out well. Um, so if you're considering to get Kickstarter uh, during the holidays, it's it's been recommended by people that I trust. Um, and I've, you know, used that advice to my advantage and have, you know, now had two fully funded, uh, overly funded uh, Kickstarters. So just don't don't do it during the holidays, man. It's, it's usually uh, not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now there is the other thought process, and this is something that that I've talked about just in the general publishing sense with comics for for retail stores and so on. Because even even publishers, Marvel, DC, and so on, when you get into comic book stores, um, they rarely have anything happening in December, and it's because of the things that we talked about. However, the flip side of that coin is, hey guys, there's really nothing happening in December. So if you can find a way to make yourself the big fish in the small pond at that period of time, it could be worth your while. Because if nothing large scale is happening, you can become that large scale event. But you have to really, really think about it. And you've got to really be good at marketing and, and your social media. And, and there's still no guarantees that people will find you. But um, DC a couple years ago, actually did something that I thought was brilliant because Marvel was not doing anything during December and, and um, DC really wasn't either. And suddenly they popped out this justice league versus suicide squad weekly series. Like every week there was an issue out and they dominated sales and, and, uh, and media in December, like just crushed everything because literally they were the only thing, the only game going as far as like a big deal. So it, I think it can be done. 
But I think it takes something very, very unique and very special to get people to, uh, you know, to kind of pay attention to it. I would not recommend it if you're just diving in. You don't have an existing fan base. You're just trying to get a book done. That's not worth your time. Right. But if you are somebody who's been doing this for a little while uh, and you've kind of put some thought into it and you kind of want to try to, to you know, be the event that, that people are, are seeing when they're, you know, eating turkey at watching TV after they open their presents or whatever, um, I think there's a possibility that it could be done. But it's going to take something really unique to do it. And, uh, and, and I'm not even brave enough to try that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, oh, uh, just so you know, um, Kyle, uh, he's got a new comic shop that opened in Ohio. Uh, yes. He wants us to come down once he sets up his podcast studio to um, like do a podcast thing down there. Sure. Yeah. Actually, I talked to him not long ago about like doing signing and so on. Um, I told him it was probably not going to work now um, through through November. And I'm not even sure how long I'm going to be here uh, in, in the Midwest um, because I've got to get out to uh, to the West Coast for January when we launch Scheherazade and we do Albuquerque Comic Con and we start our 10 year anniversary. But I did tell him that as soon as I got back here, uh, that was certainly something that would be, you know, on my plate. And, um, you know, because for me, it's about a three hour drive. So we'd have to make sure that we could, you know, line it up with a store signing and do a podcast thing and, you know, maybe link it into the comic book shopping network, which I'm part of as well. Um, all that kind of thing. So yeah, there's definitely something that we could do with, with Kyle and I'm happy to do it. Yeah, me too. I'm actually going to do a signing down there. I believe next Saturday we're doing a signing, um, for Cafe Macabre. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so myself, uh, the editor, uh, Leah Letterman, and also she wrote, um, I think three stories and then, uh, uh, Casey Pierce, um, Crystal O'Rourke, and then there's one other person that's going to be there. I think her name is Amy. It's one of the people that I haven't met yet. Uh, we're all going to be down there uh, in, in Toledo. And I can't remember the name of the new shop. It's like 42 something. And I'm going to look it up here so that I can give people the proper information. Oh, <laughs> is it's it's Nexus isn't it Nexus 401? Maybe that's like that. it. Yeah, Nexus. Yeah. yeah, Nexus something. Yeah. I see. Yep. I'm so bad. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Nexus 419 in Rossford, 419. Ohio. There it is. So there it is. Sorry about that, Kyle. Yeah, he just sent me his logo because um, he's part of the comic book shopping network as well, which is something we've not really talked about here on the show before. Um, but basically, it's a Facebook group uh, that is a, a group of comic book retailers from across the country. And uh, and me, I'm, I'm the lone publisher at this point. And uh, <laughs> basically, think of the home shopping network, right? But it's the comic book shopping network. So all day long, there are retailers popping on, doing live shows, and selling comics and toys and, and what have you. And I do a show every Wednesday night at 10 Eastern, so that'll be tonight um, as we as we record this. Uh, I do a, a show called The Doghouse every Wednesday night and sell Big Dog Inc. comics. Um, so if you guys are uh, are interested, it's there's almost 2,000 people in the group. Um, shows are running, you know, basically from about 10 in the morning till you know, one, two, three in the morning. Um, so there's always something going on and, uh, uh, it's, it's definitely worth your, worth your time. If you want to check it out, just go to Facebook and type in CBSN or comic book shopping network and you'll find us. That's awesome. There's also a spinoff group called the artist alley shopping network. So you can find that as well. And we have artists doing their thing. They do live drawing and sell their work and so on. So that's the, uh, that's the sister channel, the artist alley shopping network. That's so cool. I love that. It's it's a cool way to like it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like bringing the con to people with and they well, don't have to leave their house and they don't have to buy a ticket and 100%. Yeah, that's 100%. really cool. That was that was kind of how it was pitched to me from Jesse James Comics. Uh Jesse James Christian out in Arizona. He kind of pitched it to me as as this and and I dove in and and helped him and uh and then I started doing my shows in January. And then I actually told him, I'm like, hey, dude, um, we're, we're presenting this as like a Comic-Con uh, uh, online, but we're missing something. And he was like, I don't get it. What are we missing? I'm like, the artists, dude. There's no Artist Alley for, for this. And so I started the Artist Alley Shopping Network. And, um, you know, they, they, they work together to, to a limited degree, but um, the artists stay on one channel and the retailers kind of stay on the other channel. Um, 
but uh, there's you know there's about 600 people in the Artist Alley Shopping Network now. There's a show once a once a day at this point. We have CB Zane on Monday, uh, Jesse Witchman and Monty Moore alternate Tuesdays. We have uh, Alfred Trujillo on Wednesday, Nia Rafino on Thursday, and David Harrigan on Friday. Um, so once a day at this point, we have people, but we're going to be announcing a bunch of others that are going to start filling out time slots. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll get it growing. So it's it's been a lot of fun. No, I love that. And um, actually, I'm going to mention this to um, Rocket Inc. Studios because I think that they might be interested. They're the publisher that picked up uh, my series Aeonian, and they've also picked up my um, my graphic novel Psychopath and my prose anthology Secrets Best Kept. Uh, and they have a ton, like next year, they've got a ton of stuff coming out and, um, you know, they're going to be in diamond and all that fun stuff. So they might want to, I'm pretty sure Tony would be kind of pumped to do something like that. So I'm going to have to mention that to him. Sure. The more, the merrier. Yay. (laughs) Um, any way to get, you know, creators a little more visibility without them having to, you know, travel 500 miles for a weekend show is, uh, is a good thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, so I did Grand Rapids Comic Con this weekend. For me, it was a, oh gosh, an almost three hour drive. Um, so, you know, most people are like, oh, that's not bad. And it wasn't because I had a friend with me for like two hours of the three hour drive. Right. But, um, after doing the whole weekend show, the drive home was like the longest, worst thing <laughs> ever. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, it was only three hours, but, you know, after working all weekend, I was just, I was pooped. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Grand Rapids Comic Con because uh, uh, it, it was a different experience for me. It was it was a really great experience for me. The I went there actually a few years ago. I didn't have a table at the time. I was working for another publishing company. This is before I published anything, and I was uh, there looking for talent for the publishing company. So I, you know, I was pressed and I, you know, went in, walked around and I actually wrote an article about it. And, um, it wasn't my most positive experience at that point. I hadn't been to like as many cons as I have now, obviously, but, um, it's the, the artist alley, they had put it like all the way in the back, and there was like nobody back there. And I don't know if it was the day that I went because I'm not sure. I think I went Saturday, though, which is like the busiest day. So I'm like, and remember, this is a f- several years ago, I think like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wrote an article about it because I felt like, you know, you know, and I've talked about this a million times that these comic conventions are turning more into pop culture events. And they're really kind of, you know, taking the focus off of comics. And I got a strong sense of that when I went to this convention, um, just by the way that the placement of Artist Alley, the setup of Artist Alley, uh, it, it, it to me spoke volumes at the time. Now, the con is much bigger than the last time I was there. And it was set up, like it was really well organized. Um, all the staff was incredibly nice. The, all the volunteers were super helpful. And, but so <laughs> I went to go, you know, I set up on Thursday. I got in early because I didn't want to have to stress about it on Friday. And when I walked in, I was like, Oh, artist alley's at the back again. But what they did is they put all the select, like I was right across from Patrick Warburton, who was the biggest draw of the convention. Um, they put all the biggest celebrities like right across from Artist Alley. So in order to get to the celebrities, they kind of had to walk by your stuff. <laughs> okay. I found that to be really helpful. Um, a lot of people stopped by on their way. I mean, I was right across from the line and the booth for Patrick Warburton. So I think that might have helped my sales a little bit. Maybe not a ton, but I mean, people that probably wouldn't have gone all the way to the back. Um, and I was on the outside back corner. So that also helps, too, being on an outside aisle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had a really, I felt really good about where I was placed this year. And, uh, Artist Alley seemed a little bit bigger and I felt like it was really well, uh, attended. I felt like even on, you know, the slower days, Friday and Sunday, there were people back there constantly. It wasn't like there was never really crickets, you know, or like tumbleweeds. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's good. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, from the experience I had from the first time I went to this experience, they've really changed things up and, and in a more positive way. So uh, I was really uh, excited to see that. And I hope they continue to grow Artist Alley and include, you know, the more small press and, and just people that are, you know, doing comics and working hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not just about comics, you know, shows shows going away from comics. It's they're going for, going away from the creators, too. Um, that's that's really kind of the the bummer. You know, I mean, obviously they have their their occasional guest stars you know if they have jim lee there or something but um as far as you know supporting the up-and-coming independent creators um that's that kind of stuff is often you know very very limited uh and that's a shame but um you know like like i said with akron comic-con which is a smaller show they reached out to me and they were like hey we'd love to have you at the at the show and i was like yeah man let's let's do this so um it was very much a comic-con uh there were a few star people um the guy who played captain pike in the original star trek show was there um i'm trying to think of who else some some odds and ends but really it was primarily a comic book show and um the people had no idea who i was and uh that's that's kind of a, a double-edged sword sometimes but in in the end it ended up being really really good people really dug on critter and you never really know what they're going to buy from you at least from my table because i do so much different stuff but um at this particular show uh legend of oz which is of course our kickstarter that's running right now and critter the superhero series which will be back in march um were were flying off the table and i always love it when when people are buying critter that is uh everybody asks me like what's your favorite thing to write and i'm like it's critter that's that's it it's this is where you want to be if you like superheroes you want to be reading critter and uh they just were scooping up sets we have four books for critter so they were just like yeah give me all four and i'm like yeah this is this is my crowd i love these people so um <laughs> so yeah so it, it was fun you know sometimes you go to shows and they're just there for for you know the the, the pinup art and so on but these guys were there because they wanted to read some comics and that was great yeah that's always uh, and, and that's kind of like the vibe that i got uh from grand rapids i mean it was it was fantastic. I had a lot of really good conversations with people that were either, you know, aspiring writers or, you know, comic book artists or whatever. Just, you know, being really engaged and like asking people for advice. And I love when people do that. I mean, granted, there are people that know a lot more than me. But what I do know, I'm more than willing to share with people because, I mean, there's we should all be helping each other, you know, and I had this um I posted about this on my Facebook, but there was a mom and her daughter that came up to my table and they, they didn't end up buying anything. But I talked to them for probably about 20 minutes and the daughter is a writer and the mom was asking all these questions like, yeah, my daughter's a writer and, you know, how can she get into doing something like this? And I kind of, you know, talked a little bit about how I did it um, and explained there's other ways to do it, but that's just kind of, you know, my journey. And this little girl, she was, she wasn't little, little, she was probably about like 12 or 13. And uh, she was pretty shy. But as soon as like I started talking and like getting excited about it, she finally started like opening up and talking about her writing. And her mom was super supportive. And it was just it like seriously made the whole weekend for me. It was so cool to be able to see somebody like I was that little girl, you know, and it just it felt really good to to share what I know and to hopefully have given her, you know, a little bit more of a, a fiery passion for it and know that it's possible to, to do the thing that you love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it warmed my heart, my cold black <laughs> heart. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So. You yeah. I try and, I try and dish out whatever I can when people ask. Um, I, I, I don't get a lot of writer questions every now. Well, usually when I get writers, it's usually somebody who just wanders up and they're like, Hey, you know, I've got this idea for a thing. And then I'm like, Oh, don't tell me your thing. I don't want to know your thing. And and then I get the, the 20 minute spiel about their thing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not sure what you need me for. You, you seem to have this all, you know, figured out. 
And then they're like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a really great thing. And then they just wander off. I usually get the art people who are like, oh, yeah, my, my son draws, my daughter draws such and such, or, or I draw whatever. And I, I go through like portfolio reviews and, and stuff like that, which is, uh, which is always fun. It's, it's sometimes tricky. Uh, it's sometimes a minefield to navigate because 95% of the time what I'm seeing isn't ready for prime time. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the trick there is just to find something that's working and, and kind of focus on that, whether it's, you know, uh, their storytelling layouts or whatever, and, and kind of focus on that. You kind of have to do the, um, what did they call it? The, the critique sandwich where you kind of, uh, uh, you, you kind of start with something that they need to work on and then you give them something that's, you know, really good that they've done right. And then you kind of finish with something that they need to work on so that they get kind of a mixture of, of, uh, key elements. And, uh, you know, they walk away from the booth feeling like they, they've, they've heard something, uh, of value from you. Um, so that's what I kind of try to do because oftentimes it's just not there. And, it's hard to let down somebody who thinks they're there. That's really the key. It's not when they're really kind of eager to learn, but it's when they think they've already got it. And then they're like, Hey, I think I've got it. And I'd love to work for you and such and such. And I'm like, show me what you can do. And I open it and it's like, Oh man, no, you're, you're not there yet. Um, but you don't want to be discouraging, but you never know how they're going to take critique. Not everybody takes critique the right way. So, um, (laughs) you know, so you got to kind of be careful. It is definitely a minefield. And, um, but I have had guys in the past where they've, they've come and they've listened to me and uh, they've come back the next year. They said, Hey man, I, I, you know, you told me this last year and, and I did this and I did this and I can see improvement, which is great. In fact, there was a guy at C2E2 this year who I I was just wandering down the aisle. I don't remember where I was going, but I was wandering down the aisle and I hear some guy going, Hey, are you Tom Hutchison? And I'm looking around like, what, huh? And there's a, there's a guy like, he's just, he's at a booth. Some, he's doing something else. And he saw me and he was like, Hey, are you Tom Hutchison? I'm like, yeah. And I, I, I kind of vaguely recognized him, but I had no idea who he was ultimately. And he was like, Oh dude, I, you know, I talked to you last year at your booth and, um, I had this comic and, and such and such. And you gave me these, this advice. And, um, I, 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 you know, I listened to it. I did this, I did that. And, and from then till now, I've got three issues of my comic out and so on and so on and so on. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. You know? And so there are definitely people who, who listen and take it to heart and, and use the critique to better themselves, which is awesome. Um, unfortunately that's a small percentage of, of creative folks. So, uh, if you are a creative person in, in any capacity, writer, artist, colorist, or whatever, be open to critique. Now, obviously take it with a grain of salt because everybody's kind of got their own opinion about what good art is, but, um, you know, be open to what people are telling you, especially if those people are at a table, at a booth doing it, because obviously they've done something to get to that point. Um, and you, you're going to want to kind of listen to, uh, at least at minimum to how they did it, how they got there. And then you can kind of take that and figure out how to apply it to your journey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And even being in our position, like we're there's always opportunity to grow and learn. So no matter how many years you're in the business, no matter how many comics you've put out or books you've written, I feel like there's always opportunity to like, you know, tweak things a little bit better or learn like a new process or we can always be learning and always improving. And I feel like, you know, continuing to educate yourself on your craft is how you're going to be, you know, relevant still in the future, you know, continuing to just improve upon your style and, you know, growing. If you stay stagnant, you know, it's, and you're writing the same thing over and over and you're writing the same thing the same way, it's gonna, you're gonna stall out. So, you know, and one of the things, oh my gosh, I remember when the, the first I submitted, and I'm not going to name the publishing companies. I submitted to like a couple of publishing companies with my, with my first comic. Um, just to see, like, honestly, I didn't really have high hopes. I kind of was like, well, you know, if they like it, cool. If they don't, like, no big deal. And, you know, so I got my first rejection letter and the, and it was honestly, I, I wasn't like surprised or anything because I'm like, I'm new. Nobody's heard of me. I and mean, this is years ago. And, uh, you know, he was the gentleman that that wrote me back. It was the person who actually does the publishing. And he was super polite. And, you know, he was just basically said it's not like what they were looking for. And he said, you know, gave me some 
what he thought was good and, you know, to keep, you know, that he's like, there is a publisher out there, you know, for you. And he was like really polite. And I was like, awesome. So I just wrote him back and, you know, I thanked him for his time. And, you know, I was super polite about it because, you know, you have to remember that these people, these publishers that you're shopping your work to, they, they know what they're looking for. They know what they can sell. And if you don't fit it, they're not going to pick you up. And that doesn't necessarily mean that what you've written isn't going to be good for somebody else. So, you know, as long as you just need to handle it, like, gracefully, because you're going to get a lot of rejections. It, yeah, it I, happens. I, I handled I handled my rejection poorly. Uh, but <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. What did you do? Now I need to know. <laughs> who, who, who knew that Tom would take things personally, right? Um <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, I I handled it poorly, uh, uh, but internally, and and okay. because because I handled it poorly, Big Dog Inc. exists. Um, but basically, I I pitched my stuff. Well, I should say I pitched Penny for Your Soul because that's the only book I had at the time. I pitched it to about six publishers, all of kind of the standard publishers that that most people would would publish. Now, again, this is ten years ago, so there's a lot of companies now like Vault and Scout and so on that that didn't exist at the time. Um, so I was publishing or I was um, uh, pitching to you know Image Comics and um, uh, gosh, I'm not even going to remember who they were anymore. Dynamite and uh, uh, to you know on and on the, the this the standard crew of folks that you, that you did back in in the day, and. Um, I only actually got one rejection letter and it wasn't even a rejection. It was just sort of a, Hey man, uh, this is cool, but we're kind of doing something similar and we don't want to double up. And I was like, yeah, I get that. That's, that's totally fine. You know, thanks for your, thanks at least for, for giving me the, uh, the, the, the heads up because none of the other publishers even gave me a no. I didn't even get a rejection letter. Technically I just got ignored. And that does um, happen too. We'll talk about that after yeah. the story. <laughs> and so <laughs> Tom, Took that personally, um, and and as such, Big Dog Inc. came into existence because I said, "Well, if y'all aren't gonna be interested, then f you, and I'll do this myself." And uh, and that's kind of where where the seed of Big Dog Inc. was born, and and has now since grown uh, into into what it is now, which will be ten years in in January. Um, it's not that I can't deal with rejection. Uh, and I think if I had gotten rejection letters, I probably would have been okay. But to be completely ignored, like to not even get a no thanks, uh, that put a chip on my shoulder that um, maybe maybe is even kind of still there a little bit. Um, and, and I think that's okay a little bit. But you don't want to – and this is one thing that I've learned in my 10 years for sure is you don't want to hold the grudge against whoever or whatever – pissed you off like there's no point in in holding the grudge you can have the chip you can use that to to kind of push yourself forward and be like hey i'm going to show these guys that you know they did it wrong sort of like when somebody doesn't get drafted in football um and they sign on to a team and they become you know a a a pro bowl player those are the guys that are like hey you should have drafted me and i'm going to show you why you should have and so that chip can help you but holding grudges will not um, and there's kind of a fine line between the two, but yeah, I, I, I definitely took it a little too personally. Um, but it also drove me really hard when we started to, to make everything as good as it possibly could be within my, you know, whatever budgets I had and, and this and that and so on. Um, and the response obviously was, was very good because here we are now just about to celebrate 10 years. See, there you go. Using using that chip to fuel the fire. I like it. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I yeah. like it. And a lot of maybe, times maybe maybe one day I'll lose the chip, but for right now, we're going to run with it. <laughs> <laughs> um a lot of times these publishers like get flooded uh with um, submissions. And I feel like you never know if they actually even looked at your submission because most of the time you, you don't get a response. This is uh, true. This it, is true. It, it's very common. So don't get discouraged if you are shopping publishers and you don't hear back. Um, I, like, I think I only submitted to like maybe four or five publishers in my career. And that was because I kind of did what you did. I, obviously, um, you know, Scapegoat Press was more just like a vanity label. Um, I wasn't trying to really publish a whole bunch of other people under my label. It, I just wanted to do my own thing sure. and be accountable to myself. And, um, so that's how, you know, so I pretty much stopped 
uh, you know, submitting to publishers at that point. But, you know, now that I've gotten to the point I'm at now, um, you know, I'm looking to just diversify my pro, my portfolio. Like, isn't that what people say? Oh my God. <laughs> You're like thing, professional right? now. Oh, well, I don't know if know. I can keep doing this podcast with a professional. <laughs> My God, I'm I'm a professional screw up. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, and and even nowadays, like where I have a fan base, I have several books out, I have you know a lot of other things going on. There are still some people, you know. I think I only submitted to like one or two places, and um, you know, people are just so backed up. And like I've had conversations with these companies, and it's like they're interested and in, and in, or whatever, and they'll they're like, yeah, I actually had one come after me, and they're like, hey, like with Aonian, and they're like, hey, are you looking for a publisher? And you know, I hooked him up with all the information, and you know, they even they backed my Kickstarter and everything, and it was really cool. Um, and I haven't heard back from them, so uh, you know, I kind of. Like, I understand how this works. I know a lot of people who do publishing and, you know, I, I get that, you know, they're busy and they're backed up. I'm a little impatient. That's one of the things I really try to work on <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when yeah, it comes yeah. to this, because, you know, comics is not it's not a short game type thing. I'm I'm in it for the long haul. So I need to learn a little bit of patience. But um, that's why I ended well, up signing with who I uh, with uh, Rocket Inc. Studios. Sure. Um, you know, they, they wanted, they wanted my books and there was no, it was like, we want you, this is what we'll do for you. And I'm like, well, awesome. <laughs> I like it when somebody has a plan and they like my work and it's, you know, a group of people that they're, they're very, um, they're, they're seasoned in, in the business, uh, great artists. Um, you know, they've been publishing for years, but now they're just taking it up a notch. So Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Well, and one thing you've got to kind of think about is uh, you, you, patience is good, but um, there's a little saying that kind of floats around comics, and I use it a lot, and that's comics never stop. And there are too many people who sit and wait for something to happen to them versus just saying, okay, it's not happening, so I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to find a way to do it myself. Right. Because here's the thing. If you stop and wait for somebody else, everybody else that's working is still working and they're passing you by. And if you don't get a product out on the market in in some semblance of a reasonable time frame, whether it's bi-monthly, quarterly, whatever, uh, the guys that are buying your books while – you know, if, if, if you're not there and they're waiting and you're, cause you're waiting for something to happen, they're going to go find something else to buy. And so you have to kind of temper patience with the understanding of there's got to be a point where you stop waiting and just move on. Uh, and, and if whatever you were waiting for catches up to you, great. But if not, there's bound to be something ahead of you. That's probably better because you've, you're, you're already working towards whatever is better. Um, so definitely be patient with, with folks, uh, because like, like you've said, you know, these publishers get swamped with, um, pitches and, and proposals and so on. But, um, at some point stop waiting and, and just dive in. Absolutely. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I approached it. It was like, I, I gave it a specific amount of time and, it wasn't I didn't know what the specific amount of time was going to be. I just kind sure. of waited until I I just couldn't wait anymore. I mean, I was still working though because I obviously I've been self-publishing for, you know, 4 years, over almost 5 and so it wasn't that I stopped working or doing what I was doing. It was just waiting to hear. And right. you know, I had to make, you know, when a publisher comes to you and says, "I have a contract, we want to sign you, here we go." Like it's like do I want to wait for this other publisher who who knows what's going to happen or this person really wants me? The contract is solid. It's great. And it takes care of me. I mean, so I made that choice based on, you know, what these other publishers had shown me and like the wait periods and all of that. So, you know, I just want to keep moving forward. And that's why, <clears throat> you know, I made the choice that I did. Now, some people might have their hearts set on working with a specific publisher. And, you know, that's fine. If that's what you choose to do, that's great. There's a lot of really great publishers out there. Um, 
I just would never I, I there's nobody I want to work with that bad that I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing or turn down a great offer when it when it comes by me. <laughs> well, sure. And like you said, there, you know, you may want to work for, you know, scout comics, but if you're producing something that they don't think works within their concept of, of what they want to publish, then you're SOL. Uh, so there's, there's not really a point in, in kind of hanging up on one publisher, um, because of that, because you, you might be producing something that they literally don't want. Um, and, and, uh, as long as you're kind of open to that thought process, if they tell you, no, you know, come back with another, I mean, if you want to come back with another concept, if they say, Hey, look, we don't do whatever, we don't do horror. We only do comedy. And you want to come back with a comedy book for them. That that's fine. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, let the book find its market because every book has a market. Um, you know, some of the markets are larger than others. Some of them are smaller than others. Uh, but every book will have a market. You just have to kind of find it. So don't get hung up like saying, well, I've got to get published by these guys or, you know, it just doesn't matter. There are so many, if you look back over the last decade in the time, uh, that I started, there are so many publishers that were kind of high on the hog in these quote unquote up and coming rising stars and 90% of them don't even exist anymore. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's crazy. And some of them had serious money behind them um, and they were running for for years and they just went out. They're, they're just gone. Um, Radical Comics is, is one that comes to mind immediately. They were producing these incredibly high end you know, gorgeous comics. Uh, some of it was licensed work. Some of it was original work. And, um, they were just publishing, publishing, publishing all this, this stuff that was, you know, it was, it was good. I wouldn't say it was like amazing, but it was good. And, and, and they're gone and they had tons of money behind them. There was a, there was a company called double take that had millions of dollars behind them and they lasted less than two years. So, you know, um, um, you got to be careful <laughs> when you're dealing with publishers. Um, really, really pay attention to your contracts. Really pay attention to who these guys are, uh, how long they've been at it, so on and so on and so on. Um, because there are no guarantees in in any capacity with with comics. And just make sure that if something were to happen to the publisher and they decided to stop publishing, that you know you have an out. Like if they stop. You know, you want to make sure they don't own your IP and and take it with you or take it with them um, into the black hole. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there there are a number of examples just in the last few years that uh, of places that started and stopped almost immediately despite the money they had behind them. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but it's a tricky business. And that's why you kind of really always want to start on your own and build something of your own. And then you can kind of move from place to place from like that. For, for perfect example is uh, uh, guys like, you know, Grant Morrison and so on. They don't just publish through image. Uh, they don't just publish through Graphic India. They, they have stories going from four or five different publishers. They're not just a writer for a publisher. They are writers and they move their product, their IP from publisher to publisher to publisher. Whoever decides they want to, you know publish that particular thing. So, um, even if you get a deal with a publisher, it does not mean you have to take that deal again with the same publisher, go somewhere else. They might have, uh, alternate, you know, uh, methods to get your book out there. Um, you know, aftershock press, uh, is, is a small publisher that's growing, um, scout comics, vault comics. Um, there's tons of these small places, alterna comics that are doing unique things. Now they're not blowing up the sales charts either. Um, but they are doing very unique niche things. And in a lot of cases, you know, these guys have some connection to, uh, some Hollywood money as well, which, which kind of helps keep things afloat, but it also puts your book in front of Hollywood eyeballs. So you never know where that might go. So there's all kinds of little extracurriculars that, that, you know, being involved with different publishers can give you. Um, and, and so don't, don't, just put your blinders on and say, well, I'm just going to get to image comics and then I'm golden because that's not the case. People get to image comics all the time and don't sell enough books to, to stay afloat. So, um, you know, focus on you, focus on your fan base, focus on your product, make it as good as it can be. 
Uh, and then you can, once you're there, you can kind of start moving around a little bit. Exactly. Then that's, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, and I'm so glad that I did because I got to make all of my mistakes before I, you know, started doing conventions and like trying to put, you know, I, well, I can't say all of my mistakes, my biggest mistakes. I made before I got onto a, you know, a higher level, which I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the time that I had to learn from my mistakes and to improve what I'm doing. So, sure. um, yeah. yeah, if, if you want to do it, just do it. Don't wait for somebody to tell you that you're good enough, you know? Right. And, you just and do if, it. if, yeah. And if money is a problem, there are things like Kickstarter, Indiegogo and so on, you know? No, if you're brand new, you're not going to come in and make $20,000 on a campaign, probably. But if you only need a couple thousand to pay for some printing costs or to pay for, you know, your art or whatever, you know, use, use what exists and, and, uh, uh don't be afraid of it. You know, so many people are like, well, I don't want to use it because then I'm not really legitimate. And I'm like, no, man, there are professional large scale people who use crowdfunding. Oh yeah. And if you're not, if you're afraid of that then you're in the wrong business to begin with. Exactly. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, so do, we're all done with conventions for the year. So we don't have any conventions to announce. Um, just a reminder, uh, Saturday, November 23rd at Nexus 419. I will be there along with four other creators from the uh, <clears throat> horror prose anthology, Cafe Macabre, published by SourcePoint Press. We'll be doing um, signings. Uh, and I don't know what time yet, but there will be an event and I will push that on our, um, on our, uh, podcast page and my personal page as soon as I know the exact time. So if you are into horror, uh, this all women anthology is amazing. So come check us out and uh, check out the new comic shop. It hasn't been open for that long. So check it out. You got anything yep. to share? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically, I'm done for the year. Yeah. Once the Kickstarter for Oz wraps up. Um, you know, we'll be, we'll be shipping princesses versus zombies. We'll be shipping penny for your soul. Oz will be shipping January, no January or February. And then in January is our 10 year anniversary. So we will be starting it off, uh, on the West coast in Albuquerque. Um, we'll have some artists with us out there and we're looking to do a launch party for Scheherazade, uh, in January in Arizona as well. So as we get closer, we'll, we'll talk more about that here on the podcast and, and on social media and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will be back soon, uh, barring any um, sick dogs, exploding furnaces, <laughs> uh, torrential downpours of snow. I, I, we're in Michigan, so that, that can happen really fast. But we'll be back soon. Um, and until then, keep being awesome and keep reading indie.